This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the AC Report. Well, they blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. And they blew up his house, too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state. And the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble on the promenade. And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. Maybe everything that dies someday he comes back. Put your makeup on, fish your hair up pretty, and meet me tonight in Atlantic City. Time for our weekly look at the 48 most interesting blocks in the world and everything that's contained within them. Nobody I enjoy talking about uh, gambling and gambling-related travel with than Michael Traeger. He is a luxury travel and casino gaming industry entrepreneur, and he is with a terrific website called TravelZork.com. Also does a great podcast called The ZorkCast, which I've been on from time to time, nobody knows more about uh, casino gambling and associated travel than uh, Michael Traeger does. Michael, it's great to talk with you again. Thanks for getting up early. Thanks. It's great to be on. Uh, how are you doing this morning? Hanging in there, Michael. Where do we find you uh, these days? Where are you today? I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. All right. Well, um, I think this might be the first time that we've spoken since uh, we've been airing on uh, WCBM in Baltimore. Have you been to the Baltimore casinos, Michael? And if you have, what, what's your uh, what's your review of them? I have not been to the Baltimore casinos because I tend to gravitate towards Atlantic City. But I really do want to get to MGM Harbor because I hear lots of good things about that property. Yeah, I'm hoping to get there, too. Uh, it uh, sounds like a great spot. Now, as far as Atlantic City goes, the big news this week is that it looks like they're finally moving forward with a hearing on the bill to ban smoking in casinos. And I know this is something that uh, the advocates for the dealers and the wait staff have been lobbying for for a long time. People like me that enjoy occasional cigar while you're while you're playing Baccarat or, or craps or whatever, we're not necessarily that enthused about it, but I also understand where the staff is coming from on this. What What's your take on this, Michael? How do you think uh, this bill will fare? And if it does pass, how will that affect the gambling experience in Atlantic City? 
it's it's a controversial kind of subject. I mean, remember they haven't set a date for the actual vote yet, but they finally did. They did their fact finding mission hearing on Monday. I think it's inevitable that Atlantic City is going to go smoke free. I wish there was some happy medium of making everybody happy, especially you know as cigar smokers. But I, I just think that there's just too much political pressure and too much pressure from the non-smoking uh, groups to to bring it to bring the entire all of the properties to non-smoking. Also, you've had some other recent developments like Mohegan Sun in Connecticut uh, post-COVID is now completely non-smoking indoors, and pretty much so the only place left where you have where you still have indoor smoking for the most part, or where it's at least ubiquitous, is in Nevada. I mean, there are a couple of little pockets. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but like San Diego, uh, Harris San Diego, which is tribal, they still have indoor smoking. You you broke up a bit there, Michael. Harris San Diego what? It still has an indoor smoking. Oh, they have indoor smoking over there still. Um, Yes. Gotcha. Well, but so most of the Atlantic City properties, the, the rule is you can smoke on the casino floor, right? But it's only 25% of the casino. 25%. Okay. Um, Right. So that's a – and also I think even if they do pass the – pass non-smoking, there still will be smoking rooms and suites in Atlantic City. Don't particularly quote me on that. But I think they still will have the smoking rooms. And I think that's happened at – at properties like like Mohegan Sun where they still do have smoking rooms and suites. So you could have a private cigar party. So you go if you go to Mohegan Sun, you can't smoke uh while you're while you're playing, but you can go to a separate smoking area. Well, I think they it's either outdoor smoking or as far as I know, it's smoking in rooms and rooms and suites as long as it's on a designated smoking floor. Because remember that's another unique part of Atlantic City. They still have smoking floors in the hotel. You, you know, Mike, smoking room. I'm having a real tough time hearing you. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if maybe we can connect by phone instead because uh, you keep breaking up, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to miss, uh, I don't want to miss a word here. So uh, Kenneth will try and get you uh, on the phone. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Michael Traeger. He is, um, he's with uh, TravelZork.com, which is a terrific website which uh, I check regularly, and there's a terrific podcast on there that deals with all sorts of gambling related uh, issues casino gambling specifically you could check it out i've been a guest on that uh, podcast from uh, from time to time as well and when i went to las vegas and it's been about uh, about 2 years michael was the first person that i checked in with to see one where i should go what would match my tears uh, what the best spot to have breakfast was and that's kind of what he does for for everybody through uh, travelzork dot uh, com, it's going to be very interesting to see how Atlantic City fares with no smoking. A lot of people have compared that to uh, church without praying. Casinos and smoking, it's thought went hand in hand. Even when New Jersey banned smoking about uh, seventeen years ago, they made an exception for Atlantic City casinos precisely for that reason. And the revel, which was what the ocean was, a lot of people uh, attribute the lack of smoking to the fact that the uh, that the revel failed. Uh, Michael, I think we got you now. How are you? Good. Is that better? Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. We'll, we'll give it a shot. Now, 
Um, a lot of people have been sharing photographs on social media of the the now vacant property of the Atlantic Club, which, of course, was also the Atlantic City Hilton. It was also the Golden Nugget uh, at uh, various times. This It's a great location, and I have a lot of great memories there. Give us the sort of the Reader's Digest version of what the history of that property was. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, the most historical, historically significant thing is that that was the, what is currently the closed Atlantic Club, was the original Golden Nugget, which was a Steve Wynn property. And that was from 1980 to 87. Then it after it was the Golden Nugget, it became Valley's brand, then Hilton. So it was referred to as the Atlantic City Hilton. And then ACH, which was just a made-up name of Atlantic City Hilton because they couldn't name it anything else at the time. And then it became Atlantic Club. But what was really significant is that it was it was the original Golden Nugget in Atlantic City, which was a steep wind property. And uh, how far back uh, does that go? When did it start as the Golden Nugget? Uh, it started as the Golden Nugget in 1980. 1980. So, uh, and then uh, it closed, I guess, around 2012, 2013. It's such a shame that it's been sitting there vacant over the course of the the last decade. Do you have any idea what the plans are for for that property, or what some of the proposals are? Yeah, well, the current proposal is to make uh, luxury condos and the boutique hotel, which is super exciting. So basically the 26-story South Tower is going to become a luxury condominium building with with six approximately six condos per floor ranging from 1800 to 3000 square feet. So and it's going to be very very chic with floor to ceiling windows, great ocean views. So it's going to be that's pretty cool. And then they're also going to have a a smaller 330 room branded boutique hotel, which by branded, they mean, you know, it'll be some, it'll be some hotel brand, you know, like you have Marriott AC collection and things like that. So that's, it's pretty neat. And then they're, they're trying to figure out what the other amenities are, but definitely things like restaurants, food and beverage and a health spa. But the big thing is having a very luxurious, like kind of Miami beach feel condominium building. Well, I mean, that sounds pretty exciting. I mean, I'm sure those condos are going to be priced outside of my price range, but uh, it would be nice to have condos or something there rather than just uh, an empty ghost casino. No, absolutely. And I think I think right now, when you look at the number of casinos in Atlantic City, I think we they probably have enough casinos in Atlantic City, you know, for the amount of business that there is, because I think you brought this up last week on the episode even though the numbers are so strong for the casinos in Atlantic City, remember a lot a lot of that really great financial news is coming from sports betting and also app app betting and things like that. So you don't see the entire picture. That isn't all that isn't like the casino numbers ten years ago where everything was due to people actually physically coming to the casinos. A caller called in uh, last uh, last hour, and he was talking about his experience at the uh, Hard Rock Casino down there in Florida, and he was talking about how he hit blackjack a bunch of times. One of the things that I've noticed, uh, mostly with uh, digital blackjack, and I noticed this when I played at Jake's 58 out on Long Island recently, but uh, I've seen it in other places as well, is more and more of these blackjack payouts are six to five rather than three to two. 
one, is that just me uh, that I'm noticing that, or is that actually a trend? And two, can you explain to listeners what that means in terms of uh, a financial, uh, you know, in, uh, financial impact? Yeah, I mean, you know, six to five blackjack has a lower, a lower, a lower payout. Basically, you're paying six, uh, six units, six units for every five bet. If if that makes if that makes sense. So as opposed to three units for every uh, for every two for every two. So that's that makes a big difference in, in the house edge for blackjack. And the reason the reason why is because the house wants to make more money on the games. And it's especially prevalent in in lower table limit games because the, the house wants to make more money. They want a higher house edge. The house edge is more than double of regular blackjack. And they're going to do it on usually on low limit games like in Las Vegas now at I think it's the downtown Grand, they've actually brought back one dollar six five blackjack games, if you can believe it. They really? Actually, wow. Yeah, yeah. So they actually but you know and, and which which property is that again? That's uh down, I'm pretty sure it's uh downtown Grand in, in Las Vegas. Wow. That they they have yeah, they're they're doing it as a as a promotion, obviously. The only the only fallback there is that they changed the three two blackjack to They've changed the three-two blackjack now to like fifteen-dollar tables, where they used to be ten-dollar tables. But it's quite—you're going to find a lot of six-to-five blackjack, which which basically pays you less when you hit a blackjack. So that's that's not good. And what's interesting is you have to pay a lot of attention in casinos whether a table is three-two or six-five because you could have tables right next to each other, which which have the different payouts, like at Encore Boston Harbor. Mm. One night, I noticed that there was a fifty. This is fifty dollars tables. There was a fifty dollars three two table right next to a fifty dollars six five table. <laughs> so you actually have to read the felts and look at the payouts. But most most people who are big blackjack players pay a lot of attention to that. It's one reason, you know, one reason why I love baccarat because nobody's nobody messes with uh, pretty much so nobody can mess with the odds at baccarat, which is which is wonderful. Or nobody has yet. <laughs> yeah, don't give them any ideas. But Believe me. Hey, uh, lastly, Michael, I understand that uh, MGM, is, which now owns Borgata at, uh, you know, in Atlantic City, Holy, uh, they're making some changes to their tier matching program. What are they doing and why is that a big deal? Well, I mean, MGM has been doing tier matching for a long time. People have been able to match other casino programs. The most popular one was Caesars Diamond, and they've been able to match that to MGM Gold, which is sort of a very strong middle tier, which has a lot of benefits, including the M4 lounge and also no resort fees. And they just changed it that they're only matching Caesar's Diamond now to Pearl. But the Hyatt matches are still happening. And a lot of people don't know this, but if you have status with Hyatt or World of Hyatt, you can actually match your World of Hyatt status seamlessly online to MGM reward status, which is very, very strong. Michael, uh, we'll uh, end it there. I p- hope people check out TravelZork.com. Thank you for the time this morning. 
Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I'm sorry for the uh, difficulty in hearing what Michael was uh, was saying there. But um, a, a failure in, in the testing before the show, I guess. Uh, hopefully that'll be covered in the darker side of midnight. All right. Uh, e. Frank is in Astoria. Hello, E. Frank. Yes. Uh, good morning, Frank. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the last topic that you had about the uh, government not being able to inform us about what's these objects that are flying over us. You know, I've been listening to your show for several years, and I see that you change from one point to another point. And, you know, uh, I agree with many of the things you say on your show, but I also have to tell you that the government has protocols and and they do tell the public what they want to tell them or what they have to tell them. For example, during the Obama administration, they stated quite publicly that they have to run certain space operations in the proper mode. When Obama uh, told the public that he was uh, operating an OV-101, the um, Enterprise Experimental uh, Space Shuttle, uh, when they piggyback the the space the experimental space shuttle of uh, uh, on a 747 airplane, uh, I I saw what they were stating on TV. I opened my window and I actually saw the um, 747, uh, the uh, Enterprise on top of uh, the the, um, the 747. So I I knew that that was already explained by the government that they were going to be operating that way and then. When I saw it on TV, land the, the 747 landing at JFK Airport, I I, I knew that the, the government has their responsibility with the public. But when you're talking about shooting balloons that are considered uh, spy balloons uh, from China, uh, they could be, they could not be, no one knows what that is. And then actually, you know, you see something like that in front of you, and then the government doesn't tell you what that is. You have to confide in, that there are reasons maybe why they don't want to tell the public why that that happens. You have to also understand that the government has to also work with state governments, local governments. You know, there's a lot of construction. There's a lot of police cameras and uh, police shoot, uh, spot shooters and so on, and they have to consider the local government needs. And though they can't mix one thing with another, so maybe, Frank, you might be a little bit... Uh, uninformed that, you know, the government is not going to be our enemy. They could be our our best friends, but I don't think the government would be hiding things from the public. And well, uh, they are, though, E. Frank. The they are. Th- thank you, E. Frank. They um they are hiding things from the public, right? And I uh, you don't, I mean, my problem with this is these people all work for us. The the president, the people of the Pentagon, they work for us. They are spending our money, and yet we have to go begging like Oliver Twist uh, for a little nugget of information here and there for for an explanation of why you're shooting these so-called harmless objects out of the sky at $439,000 a pop. No. I mean, give us some explanation. Uh, that's that's my take. All right, I've said enough on that. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Next hour, I'll talk with Brian Kilme. That'll be a lot of fun. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. midnight. 